Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is December 7th, 2020, and it is time, donks, for Morning Combat. Hello, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I'm one half of your hosting duo. I am from CBS Sports, as is my colleague. He is the tie to my Yule, because we're getting about that time, BC. It is, of course, Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian. Hi. I would have preferred uh, cake to your urinal at any point as well, Luke, <laughs> but I'm just happy to be here. It's a great franchise we've built called Morning Combat, and hopefully you can recover from the pre-show headphones meltdown you had. Everything good there, Luke? We good? Yeah, you and I now, it now it is. Now it is. Nothing okay. works until it's supposed to. And then doesn't when it, I don't know, it just doesn't work in any kind of consistent way. So it's a little bit annoying. Now, are you back in L.A. tomorrow How's, or tonight? How does this work? No, that's next week. Next week. Uh, yeah. Okay, very good. All right. Well, nevertheless. Uh, Wait, you, trying to, you trying to get me more COVID? I mean, what are you doing here? What are you, what are you doing right now? Am I trying to get you more COVID? No, I'm not Come trying on. to get you more COVID. The numbers are bad out there, Luke. I'd like to spend some time in, in Connecticut for a while. Thank you. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, you know what? Glad to see you're back. Glad to see you're COVID-free, unlike much of America. But, uh, you know, that's a different story for a different time. A lot happened over the weekend. First things first, though, give the video a thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button. BC had live and instant reaction for you for Spence Garcia. I had a breaking news video yesterday for this thing we're going to get to here in just a second, this Mayweather news. So we're giving you lots of free stuff. The, the Kayla Harrison video will be back up today. There was a thing I had to take care of with it, but it will go back up today. So Let me guess. Let me guess. She made a Pat Tillman joke. Yes. <laughs> and legal called me and was like, Jesus, again. People, yeah, I thought really? we were I thought we were through this. I thought we had an understanding. Uh, no, it'll be back up today. So apologies for uh, some of those folks into her, but we'll get it back up. And a lot more content coming your way. Also, if you want to try Showtime to check out that Hector Camacho video, or excuse me, I should say documentary, which came out on Friday. It was very good. I watched it with my family. 30-day free trial. You can go to Showtime.com. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can pound sand. BC, you saw the documentary. I saw it on Friday as well. Man, what an era in boxing that was. It made me miss... I don't know. I don't know. I don't think we'll ever get back to that time, to be no, quite honest and with it, you. It reminds you how damn long Hector Camacho's career was. I, I mean, know. he fought everybody. It's crazy and was a different incarnation of himself along the way. You know, just a drawing card for a while. There were points where he was top of the world, one of the pound for pound best. But uh, what a crazy life. And I thought the documentary did a great job of capturing that. And uh, if you want to try some merch, I don't have any on today, BC. Do you ha oh, no, I don't think I have any readily available. But uh, you can go to store.show.com. Great, uh, you know, stocking stuffer. Maybe Christmas gift, depending on you know what kind of stuff you want to get. And uh, you know, you can get hats, shirts, mugs, the whole nine yards. I think that's all the plugging that we have to do. Uh, okay, with that out of the way, we normally would start with Spence Garcia. We will get to that in just a minute. But as I indicated, there was breaking news yesterday, Brian. So we'll make this our one of six topics. But we'll do it here to start the show. Floyd Mayweather put out a statement on a video, I should say, as well, on Instagram yesterday, saying he is going to be in a boxing exhibition with a YouTube bozo, Logan Paul. It is on February 20th, but we don't know much else about it. We don't know the weight. We don't know the place. We don't know the venue. We don't even know the fight card. We just know that there is, for now, that. A lot to unpack here. But since I went first yesterday, of course you have the floor. What is your reaction to this news? 
I mean, it, it sort of is what it is in a way. Everyone sort of has to has a, have a hot take linked to this. Is this my preferred fight for, for either one or for boxing? No, but at the same time, it's kind of fun and it's kind of interesting in light of what we've had lately, which is YouTubers showing up on quasi-boxing cards, Tyson and Jones rekindling the magic of old and coming back and gaining some attention for boxing, Snoop Dogg on commentary. Boxing is always people... A in in S show. Let's be really honest. That's what this great and ridiculous and awful and beautiful sport is. To me, this is just a more carnival exhibition extension of it. So I know there's a lot of fire and brimstone hot takes about how this pay-per-view uh, fight is ridiculous and will ruin the sport. Uh, can we end that already, please? Okay. The great Larry Merchant said it best. Boxing, uh, you can't fix it. And it'll never die. You know, like you can't kill it. I mean, it, this is what it is. Were we not here for Mayweather McGregor, which did 4.4 million pay-per-view buys around? Were we not here for Tyson Jones a couple weeks ago, which did pretty good numbers? The idea that this will somehow hurt the boxing business or put a stain on it is so far off and ridiculous. If anything, let's wake up for a second. This helps boxing. Seriously. Yeah, no, no, it definitely doesn't. I know. No, it does. It really does help boxing. Is it a preferred move if you're a traditional fan who just watched Garcia and Spence and you love the fights? No, it's not your preferred move. It's a 44-year-old retired champion going in there against a guy everyone hates who's 50 pounds heavier on YouTube. But at the same time, it brings people out to, to care about boxing. It brings in a new young audience. I know it's not pure traditional boxing. I know it's a little bit of the ridiculous, but I don't see how this hurts the sport in any form. If anything, Luke, do you know what's actually good out of this? The, the, the pay-per-view pricing system that Floyd put out there. You know what was good about Tyson Jones? It was $50, not 75 yeah. like Spence Garcia, not 100 bucks like all the big Floyd fights of recent memory. It was 50 bucks. You know what's good about this Floyd uh, Logan Paul fight, this system where if you buy it now, it's something like twenty four ninety five. If you yeah, wait a month, it goes up ten bucks. Yeah. For the, fir if for you the wait first million, for the audience, for the first million buys, it's twenty five bucks. Then it goes to forty bucks, then sixty bucks, and then I think sixty five day of. If you wait till the end, it's sixty five. You know what that is? That's really smart, and that's a that's a potential progressive change for the business because we always say when a pay per view goes out there that we know the true ceiling of this boxing pay per view might be. 400,000 because of illegal streaming and all, you know, and all that today. Uh, we always say, what if you put it for half that price? Would you double, triple your audience? Would boxing feel like it's back right now if pay-per-views were the same price they were in the UK, which is right around 30, 40 bucks? Well, look, if you really want to watch this fight or you think you might feel the itch by the end of it, you probably want to buy it right now for 25 bucks. That's nothing. That's a drop in the bucket. That's actually a smart idea that maybe could help real boxing moving forward. The same thing I'll say, Luke, about all the recent ridiculousness in circus fights, I'll say it again. As long as it is not linked with real boxing, meaning prominent real boxing, and it's a separate thing, but still part of the boxing universe, who does this hurt? Please tell me right now who does this hurt. I yeah, don't I know don't... the site, but I think Floyd was talking about going to Japan. Didn't he have a press conference in, in Asia last mm -hmm. month? Yep. If it's outside the grounds of traditional United States commissioning and all that, like we've seen this before. What a year and a half ago, Floyd beat up on a 20 year old featherweight kickboxer who, you know, like, like we've seen this before. It's not that big of a deal. So, you know, when boxing's going to be hurt, Luke, when Spence Garcia becomes the co-main event 
for Logan Paul against Jake Paul. That's when you say, okay, boxing's hurting. They need the damn Paul brothers in order to get people to care about it. No, this is something left field and ridiculous. It's like and one in the NBA sphere, Luke. Is there room for and one? Remember that great show, The Shoe Line? Hot Sauce. Yeah, Remember there's hot room sauce? for street ball. Yeah, hot there's sauce, hot was, sauce. One of my, was one of my favorites. There's yeah, listen, the damn I- professor. There's Mark Jackson's fat brother who passed away. I love that guy, all right? <laughs> there's room for all that crap. It's not You can't kill boxing, all right? We've seen okay, okay, much worse okay. than this. Listen, right? I, am per- I am perfectly willing to, and I think it's totally true, that this doesn't hurt boxing. There's just really no argument you can make in a sound kind of way. If you find it personally appealing or personally off-putting, that's fine. You know, Tastes are going to vary on this one. But the idea that this hurts the boxing business to me, seems quite ridiculous. And I actually feel like their pricing mechanism here, like BC, I don't know if it will work. My hunch is it will work probably at least at a bare minimum pretty well. But I like that people are experimenting with it. They're lowering the price point. They're finding unique ways. Does this overturn the pay-per-view market? Does it change things in terms of how price points work going forward? You know, that I don't know. But I'd be curious to see any kind of new innovator in the space Try something a little bit different, and if it works, hey, it's to the consumer's interest because if you get enough early, again, you get it for $25. So I think that's actually the most interesting part about it. But here's the thing that I think folks who are in favor of this or otherwise don't mind it need to accept. It's not for me. It might be for you or any of the viewers out there. Time will tell. Again, we don't even know who's on the rest of this fight card, blah, blah, blah. You know, We'll have to see all of that. But here's the part that I would say. In the same way that it does not hurt boxing, the idea that it benefits it is fucking ridiculous. That is a lie that promoters like to tell to get you to buy this shit. If you buy this and you are primarily interested in this, it is not going to turn somebody into an advocate for making Spence versus Crawford. It is not anybody that's going to turn around and say, you know what we need to see? You know what really is important? You know what I really just can't think enough of? I want to see Chocolatito out there again. It's got nothing to do with it. It is a side attraction. It neither hurts nor helps. It's its own entity kind of floating out there in the ether. They want to claim that this converts a younger audience into boxing. There is literally right. no proof of that whatsoever in any of the Paul's involvement. It has not changed boxing's fortunes or altered its demographics whatsoever. If you want to buy it, buy it. If you don't, don't. Boxing will uh, be just fine or good or bad either way. But the idea that this boosts its fortunes is a total fabrication. Don't buy into it. Well, let's meet in the middle on that idea. I'm not here to argue that this helps boxing. I'm here to argue against the idea that this viciously hurts boxing again Show me the day when a when a Spence Garcia becomes an undercard fight for a YouTuber. When that happens, boxing's hurting. We're not there right now. But the idea that it couldn't help Luke is a little ridiculous as well. Look, if there are a lot of people who want to be boxing fans. They just don't make the best fights and make it easy to watch. Well, if you're a, a younger audience and you're a big Jake Paul fan or Logan Paul or Ron Paul, I don't care, get all Chris Paul, get all the Pauls <laughs> out here. If you're a fan of that and this brings you in, oh, man, the fights are fun. I want to see a real fight. They may go out and buy a damn pay-per-view. It also may make the powers that be, the people who are not going out of their way to make Errol Spence versus Terrence Crawford. Luke, the more success these oddball pay-per-views have, I'm telling you, the more it'll push the real boxing promoters to put their best foot forward and work together and make things happen. That's how indirectly I think it's better for boxing. The more times 54-year-old Mike Tyson is going to come out and do a million pay-per-view buys or the damn Paul brothers, the more it's going to push actual boxing to do what they don't do. Put their best possible available fight on the marquee every single time. So in the long run, 
it could help boxing. It's certainly not going to hurt it. So anyone it's not, who's it's on not that soapbox, it's not going to hurt get it. Off, but, get but, off but, my lawn, all right? Yeah, get off my. I, I know I'm the old man usually, but I agree with you. The claims that it's going to hurt it is totally. It's just. It's the the sky is falling. This is going to change everyone's perception of boxing. No, it's not. It's 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 very much not that at all. The appeal is different. At the same time, you know, Logan Paul's not going to get credit for forcing Top Rank's hand in some negotiation with Al Heyman. That is just ridiculous pie in the sky shit. Now, the pay per view. You don't have pricing... to like this though, Luke huh? Thomas. You don't have to like this. But there's yeah, only exactly. four people on this earth who have a right to be mad at this fight. You want to know who they are? The people in the damn Paul family who are going to have to scoop up their son off the canvas when this guy gets creamed by Floyd. That's it, okay? That's the only thing. And if everyone else, it's either you buy it or you don't, bro. It is what it is. I have to say, don't you marvel a little bit at what uh, Floyd is doing? I mean, Floyd sort of has always recognized his abilities, and we often said, you know, the pretty boy Floyd, and, and who was it uh, that recently said that Teofimo Lopez really kind of acknowledges. There was a period in Floyd's career, man, where he was fighting hammers, you know, very, very routinely, and then he was still fighting hammers, but a little bit at just the right time where they're still quite difficult, still a good fight to sell, but, um, you know, is a little bit more manageable as a contest. Um, and then he retires, or at least we think he retires, and then he comes back and he fights Conor McGregor, makes an absolute ass ton of money, then fights Tenshin Nasakawa, who is a decorated kickboxer, but was very, very small. I didn't realize how much smaller he was when he fought Floyd until they were facing off. And I was like, holy shit, he is way smaller. And then now he's going to do this exhibition, and not a fight, but an exhibition against a guy who is ostensibly much bigger, but is more or less, you know, uh, you know this was the guy in the class down by the boiler room, basically. But, you know, what's the threat to Floyd? Probably quite little. The pricing mechanism on the pay-per-view, that could end up being a huge boon to them because you and I both know, BC, a lot of fights are just walk-up tickets and last-minute pay-per-views. They're going to make a lot on that 65, I suspect. Dude, Floyd is finding the most innovative ways to get paid at a time in his life when you're not supposed to be able to do things like this. Yeah, oh, it's brilliant. Let's be honest now. It's brilliant. There's less danger in this fight than there was in the Conor McGregor fight, only he used the Conor McGregor fight, meaning Floyd, to completely take over the MMA audience. Remember when Floyd would come out ahead of that fight when we were talking about it and say, I'm the biggest star in boxing, I'm the biggest star in the UFC, and people would be like, what, what are you talking about? They started writing about him every day, every week. He's doing the same with identifying a moving market, which is social media and the influencers and all that. It's absolutely brilliant, Luke. And anyone, again, that links this to the whole idea of, like, aging stars shouldn't do this. I mean, good God, go revisit what Muhammad Ali did, actually still in the tail end of the prime of his career. He did exhibition Although that fight boxing. Sucked. Against... The fight against Anoki sucked. I mean, let's right. be real. And there's a whole other side topic to that. Was that the first MMA fight of all time? All that stuff. But he boxed Lyle Alzado, the NFL vet who became a boxer for a short period in an exhibition. He did all kinds of pro wrestling type Gaga crossovers. Um, all our great heroes from our grandparents' days, too, by the way. The Joe Lewis's, the Sugar Ray Robinson's all eventually ended up in pro wrestling just because, you know, trying to make ends meet and get extra money. I mean, it's there's nothing really... It's shameless, yes, but there's a long, detailed history of it. And the fact that we're coming off of Tyson Jones with talk of Tyson Holyfield 3, and we just had the KSI Logan Paul last year, it became a big deal. I mean, look, it is what it is right now. And here's the genius part, Luke. So many people are going to tune in just to see this kid get knocked out, and he will. And, you know, maybe there's 10% or 20% of the market who are going, 
I don't know, man. Floyd's kind of old, and that that those Pauls, man, they're in shape. You know, they're they're kind of they're they're pretty good. Maybe you get twenty five percent of the market on those type of fans. I mean, either way, it's brilliant. It's gonna work. It's gonna sell. Jay, if this Jay is expressing to... Jay is expressing skepticism about your ideas. Jay, what do you think? No. Jay, what do you got here? Okay, first of all. Uh, just for a second, are you not impressed, though, that a 44-year-old guy can get in shape to fight a guy who calls himself a boxer in his young 20s in less than two months? No, I don't Floyd's give a always in the gym. He's always Yeah, I don't care about that at all. Yeah, okay. but it's, I mean, it's, that's still impressive. Jay, and you have a thinks... salient point right now. Do you have something yeah, Brian, to Yeah, Brian, I, I think table. you're crazy. I think you're crazy if you think that 25% of the audience, even the people that don't know boxing at all, don't think that Logan Paul has any. This is not... Uh, as you've detailed on this show many times, where Floyd and Connor, they, you know, Floyd made you think, and Connor made you think that Connor had a chance. This is not that. Yeah, but Floyd doesn't promote like other fighters. A lot of other fighters are like, oh, my opponent has no chance. And you're like, well, then why should I watch? Floyd is always good about being like, you know, that other guy is really, really, you should Young take him seriously. Lion. The only problem you is he's, not in, he's hear, in You will not hear that. You will not hear okay, that we'll once see. in this promotion. I mean, uh, I don't know, there's we'll a lot see. of dumb people in this world, Jay. There really is. And there, <laughs> there were are. people who went on the record picking Connor would win last time around as well. In addition, so uh, there, there's a market out there for this. So even if it's 10% or 25%, the whole point of that statement I made was even if it's 10%, it's still the 90% just want to see Logan Paul get knocked out and just want to see right. this farce Can, because we, we need to move this it. conversation along. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate it. One more uh, point, if I may, BC, very quickly. It was something I was thinking about yesterday. Now, I don't know what's going to happen in this ex exhibition because the exhibition against Nasakawa was such, and then Floyd went in there and just <laughs> brutalized it. But that's Japan where their commission oversight, depending on boxing or MMA, is... Uh, well, either it exists or it doesn't. I'm not sure what the rules were for that one. But here in the United States, in California, they were very careful about, you know, you couldn't go for the kill. I don't know where they're going to put this. My hunch is, BC, if they're smart to avoid, you know, any kind of stringent commission oversight while still having one, you would go to Texas, right? Because Texas, I mean, no, even the referee to, had a mask under his nose for Spence Garcia. I was like, they don't give uh, a fuck in well, Texas. But okay. Texas forever. Believe that. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, clear eyes, uh, illegal commission, can't lose. Uh, no, Luke. <laughs> You gotta well, bring on, this. Let me, let me get this. Let me get this last point out, if I may. I want to see what you th think about it. I was trying to think about what the appeal is because, like, if you watch this fight, ironically, or this uh, exhibition, ironically, twenty five bucks. What do you have to lose? You know, you might get some kind of sort of cheap fun out of it. Again, not for me, but I sort of understand that appeal. But the folks who are like, you know, kind of invested in a real sense. The, the I mean, you're, you're, like, what would be the appeal there? My, my hunch is that BC, see, see what you think about this idea. I haven't fully formed it, but I want, I want to get pull you on this one. This exhibition space, right, this is what this is. Because Floyd announced it as an exhibition. He was very careful with the language. He didn't announce it as a fight. He presented it like a fight, but he announced it like an exhibition. It's almost like the bridge between pro wrestling and sport, where it's got this, you know, it's sort of sold like a fight. They do have to get in shape. There's a commission oversight. And yet at the same time, at least in the case of, let's say, Jones and Tyson, there wasn't a predetermined outcome, but they were very, very limited in what they could do. You sort of got a sense that, like, it was, it was not, they were not acting, but they were kind of massaging the whole process a little bit to get to a safe kind of landing there at the end. It's not quite one thing, it's not quite the other. And the, thing, the reason why it works is because it's got huge star value, right? Two names you couldn't possibly put together, bam, put it together. So it's like a sugar high of what really makes pay-per-views work, which is star power. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that's that's accurate to a degree, but I think you have to do it outside of the United States, even with a shady state commission, even with a Tai Chi palace. 
I mean, there's a 40, there's a, you know, there's a working 40 pound weight difference here. And I've seen some, you know, national pundits come out and crap on this in the last 24 hours. Say, Hey, don't you don't get too comfortable with this idea until we see a commission. No, you don't need a commission. You go to freaking another country. That's where Floyd went for Nasakawa, a featherweight in Floyd, a welterweight. You know I mean? Like that's what you do. Um, Riddick Bo came back, by the way, in Thailand a couple years ago and sadly well, that took was a sad. payday. I, well, <laughs> that I, what was I'm saying sad. is if you're taking it outside of the country, it's a bridge of nothing. It's an actual fight. It's just not set up by a, you know, a reputable, uh, safe commission. And again, if you hate this, don't buy it. But, uh, you know, what it is is going to be a little bit interesting. I don't I mean, I don't care where you come in on this. It's pretty damn interesting to see no, an old man fighter. It's stupid. This is this is a younger, this is the gathering look, of the juggalos. It's not that interesting. If you want to watch look, it, watch it. But the thing I really object no, to is no, people, no, you missing people, one part like, about it. People are always like, if you don't like it, don't buy it. Okay, mission accomplished. Don't worry about that. I'll take that uh, Pepsi challenge anytime. We're not allowed to say we don't like it. We're not allowed to crap on it. You get to praise it. I get to crap on it. Like this idea that I, my only way that I should voice my opinion is just to reserve my dollars. Fuck that. If I don't like something, I'm going to tell you I don't like it. If I think it's stupid, I'm going to tell you it's stupid. And I have just as much of a right to say that as somebody who loves it. So, so let's, let, where, where are all the free speech idealists now all of a sudden? Look, well, say, well, tell that to all your uh, your right-handed friends that you get mad when they put things out there in the ether. It's free speech, Luke, okay? So Tito Ortiz can say whatever the hell he wants. So back yeah, down, do. Thomas, okay? He says, back he says down, dumb brother. Things. But right? it is dumb. I mean, it's uh, so dumb. So all I'm There's saying no... is, look, when Guillermo Rigondeau first came on the scene and was just out boxing dudes, a boxing writer named Bill Detloff, guy I love a lot, came out and said, you know what would be really fun? If we just take Rigondeau and put him in there against welterweights. He's so quick. He's so untouchable. That'd be fun. That'd be the only competitive thing. I'm not saying Logan Paul is going to be competitive with Floyd. I am saying with Floyd operating in the obvious circus carnival stage of his career, I'm not against him going in there against bigger guys where their only chance is a functional puncher's chance in a larger body. Look, Logan Paul has no freaking chance in this fight, but I don't hate Floyd opening up a new chapter in this carnival world and saying, what do you got? You think this big guy can, can beat me? Let's do it. I think there's an interesting element to that, Luke. You could be all high and mighty and act like it's not for you. This job will make you watch being it. High, dude, it's not elitist to say I like sport. That's a fucking exalted position all of a sudden. That's what the fucking sleaze at Versailles say. They want nothing but sport. It's not some elevated position. It's a totally sensical one. Like the idea you try to paint it as some kind of like, like this is what the, you know, effete fucking Parisians only eat when they're eating their fucking brie and cheese or uh, and bread is ridiculous. Dude, to like sport for what sport presents and to say this is not even close to that is a totally rational, totally normal totally baseline opinion i don't know how you could possibly say it's the province of the fucking harvard rowers of the you know of the fucking secret societies it's not well this is from a man who listens to cannibal corpse so i think you can accept <laughs> floyd versus anyone at this point okay to end Listen, the topic we it's not gonna hurt boxing get out it's here. not it's all right it's, it's not gonna hurt here. boxing if you want to spend 25 dollars, believe me it'll be fine i'll say this last question for you bc if they don't put it in Japan, Luke, we, we don't hear them? you anymore, Luke. I don't think we hear you anymore. Okay, oh, do we hear this guy? Fuck. Okay, oh, this hold is, on. watch out, meltdown two coming up over the headphones. Whether the air here we go. Am I back? Oh, am I back? I think there he dropped go. a few JC bombs right in and it went right back in. So hey, praise, praise, Luke. Okay, thank you. All right, last last thing on this BC very quickly. If the fight is in Los Estados Unidos and not Japan, 
will you be upset? I don't see how it could be in the, in this damn United States. Although they did let Tommy Morrison have that MMA fight when he had a positive HIV test on a New Mexico Indian reservation in like yes. 2006. Hashtag yes. never forget because I sure won't. So I know there's corners of this this fine country where anything goes, Luke. But I am telling you right now, this will be in Asia. Watch, watch and see. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's get to our first point. Then we went 30 minutes on this shit. Um, Let's get to it now. So, Errol Spence defeats Danny Garcia via unanimous decision. Judges had it 116-112 on two of the scorecards, and then one had it 117-111. Brian, let's go to you first on this. I know you did an instant reaction first. Give me your score second. Did this victory prove that not only Spence is back, but he's your top pound-for-pound fighter? Yeah, I'm going to go short here, Luke, because I actually care what you have to say because you didn't put it all over the internet, which I like. You saved it for this show, Luke, you mother. All right, Luke. Um, I had, wow, no, no, no reaction from him at all. I had a one eighteen, one ten for Danny Garcia. Or sorry, for Errol Spence, which is ten wow. rounds to two. Obviously, the scorecards were eight four, eight four, and nine three. Uh, look, this was a masterful boxing performance. Errol Spence proved uh, what I said in the in, in the IA show. He's not only back, Luke. He actually might be better than before and better off for having gone through the scare he did. And the main reason, obviously. When he is this dedicated, not putting on weight between fights, not living the party life, and just back to living on the ranch with the horses and the kids and focusing on his craft, he's a freaking machine out there. He can outbox you, he can outbrawl you, and I don't want to hear anybody put down the performance Danny Garcia put in unless you're going to criticize that in the championship rounds he didn't go reckless and leave it all on the line. He didn't do that to his detriment. Maybe that's why he doesn't win against the uber elites, but he came in in shape. He uh, uh, attempted the second most punch attempts, according to CompuBox, in his career in this fight. He went for it. He's a tough out in this division. And for Spence to come back 14 months later, no setup fight, no get well, and do this on the highest level, you are watching greatness. You are watching one of the pound-for-pound best in the game, and you're probably watching the best welterweight right now. And I think the only way you're going to prove that differently is when we finally make the damn Crawford fight. Yeah, so I scored it. Well, 118-110. I'm a little surprised by that scorecard. You didn't see any other rounds for Danny? Even, even like Danny the, five the and eight, seven. Eight, nine, ten-ish rounds? Well, here's here, let me tell you this. I gave him five and seven, but I will okay. say actively, this was a close competitive fight, meaning it was clear with your eyes that Spence won the majority of rounds and deserves to be the winner. But Danny Garcia doesn't get bodied, right? He doesn't get he doesn't get reckless. He's a tough ass out where he makes you work for all three minutes. It's a chess match in there. He landed some pretty big counter shots. Maybe you didn't like his strategy. Maybe it wasn't enough. But in the end, I gave him two rounds. But he was in nine of these rounds, more or less. Yeah, it's interesting. He, he, well, you know what? To your point, even his father was like at the postside presser was like he didn't throw enough punches. He wasn't active enough. That's how you win. You got to do damage. You can't do all this other stuff. Damage is what matters. So like even his dad kind of recognized there was probably a, another gear he needed to hit and he didn't hit it. Look, you know what? I was a little disappointed in the fight. And let me explain what that means. I, I'm not overall disappointed. In fact, I thought what Spence turned in was like you. It's like, God, man, this guy can box his ass off. I thought his jab was on point. I thought that, you know, he took a couple of rounds off a little bit in the, the, the latter third, but then ended strong. He was able to beat, for the most part, Danny Garcia in open space. He was backing Garcia up against the ropes. He was lighting him on fire. He did great work in this fight. The thing that kind of, when I was, after the fight was over, I didn't have a sense of fulfillment on this one, BC. And I'm trying to, like, examine why. And just because I feel that way doesn't mean that anyone else should. I'm just trying to explain my my reasoning here. It was that 
what was the story in this fight? If Errol had never been in a car accident, right, you would have said when they made the Spence Garcia fight, there's not a doubt in your mind that Spence is going to do basically everything that he did. And I don't think asking questions about the car accident were unfounded because it like you saw we all saw the 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 security footage of the Porsche going ass over tea kettle a number of times. You know, this is like Ferrari, a very Ferrari, traumatic Ferrari. event. But as we discussed on Friday, I believe, it was like were it not for the wreck, one, you would never ask questions about whether Spence would do well. And two, it wasn't like you ever saw any footage of him doing rehab in in any kind of facility for his neck or his back or his ankle or his knee or anything. He was more or less able to walk away from that. And so you're like, okay, I'm not saying that those questions are irrelevant, but the way in which they were blown up to create doubt, in the end, it kind of turned me off. And listen, when I say blown up, we're part of that. Like, we're, uh, This is not me casting blame on anybody else. It's me saying we were participants in this. In the end, this fight was exactly, I mean exactly, what you thought it was going to be. And the thing that I feel like a little, a little bit is missing for me is, not that Spence didn't perform masterfully, but one, there was no real mystery or intrigue about it two, three rounds in. You're like, oh, right, this is how it's going to go. And then at the end, these two, between Crawford and Spence, I understand Spence winning. He has a... Well, hold save that. Save that, okay. Luke. Okay, with all due respect, let me just counter you quickly. Maybe the want-want feeling in the end was that even though it was competitive, and I thought it was entertaining, a fun fight, not a fight you're going to rewatch, not an all-action classic, a tactical, high-level boxing match between guys who can hit hard and sometimes did. So I clearly understand if your takeaway is, you know what, it didn't really thrill me. It didn't. It was more of a showcase of one guy against a very tough you know, tree stump of a guy in Danny Garcia. Uh, but the whole idea that this was exactly what we thought, womp womp, well, look, if that accident never happened, I actually would have made the same prediction, which was eight rounds to four for Spence. And I think we would have played up more that Sean Porter and Spence's last fight really showed him different angles and pushed him and made it a split decision. Now, I think the best thing Spence did outside of answering the huge questions about the physical and mental side of the accident was kind of prove the statement he told me on morning combat was true. That Porter fight was super close in some ways because he wanted it to be. He came out there looking for a knockout, not listening to his corner, not boxing. Just like in the Mikey Garcia fight, he purposely boxed boring to try to make a different kind of statement. I don't know if you like the statements he's making or not, but when he commits to them, they're pretty damn good. It just turned out that miraculously almost he was not only completely fine, but better than that, than yeah. what we thought coming off the exit. And I don't think you can be that quick, Luke, to just be like, well, maybe we played a hand in building it up. Fighters are never the same, Luke, off of things that seem insignificant sometimes in their personal life. This was a monster thing. He almost lost his life. I think personally, the he fact that he, he doesn't remember. The, 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 the crash was bad. But in terms of the physical injuries he sustained, he did not almost lose his life. That's not true. And okay, this is my you're point. Right. It, well, it, it was it, it okay. Looked, it was miraculous that he walked away with just missing teeth. Yes, right. That's yes, miraculous. That yeah. I do. I personally think the fact that he doesn't remember anything from the crash or that night or the three weeks that followed in which he was conscious in a hospital recovering, I actually think that helped him, Luke. There's not as much of a a gun shyness to to like almost losing your life and all that. It almost probably feels a little bit like a dream to him, a bad dream, a nightmare, but one that changed him forever hopefully and taught him a big lesson so i don't think we contributed to anything wrong narrative wise i think he just exceeded expectations to be all damn honest with you and again there's a small argument to make that danny garcia at the highest level 
is tough as nails. But is he a bit of a front runner? Meaning, if he is not in control of the fight, can he rally back? The only time I really ever saw him rally back and make it close, again, was the Keith Thurman fight when he scared Thurman into boxing by showcasing his power. Against Spence, you don't get that luxury because he's so great. So, Luke, that's the only issue I think you could take is, well, I thought it would be maybe a little bit more exciting. I thought it was entertaining and tactical. Yeah, but exciting is not – you're misunderstanding my argument. I'm not claiming I wasn't sufficiently entertained because – they didn't open up more. I don't mind a a classic battle. In fact, there was a lot more sort of slugging going on at the same time on the MMA side of things between Vittori and Hermanson, which we'll get to here in just a moment. Um, so if I wanted more action, I could have just sort of like, like turned to my computer on my other side of my table. I was more invested in this because I thought it was the bigger fight. I was more interested. I think the thing I'm feeling is maybe it's just a function of whatever expectation you have. You had a certain set of expectations. I had a different set, I think. They were somewhat overlapping, but it seems like materially different in the end because, to me, he did everything I thought he could have done and was going to do, and I felt like... I'm not going to say the media hoodwinked people. That's just that's overselling it. But I kind of felt like the reason that the fight had intrigue was very much oversold that this was a fight you could have sort of set your watch to and the bus just shows up on time on the route that it's supposed to show on and then it goes off and we're supposed to say wow wasn't that dramatic well yes he is a very very if not the best fighter on on the planet maybe the best fighter in that weight class certainly one of the best fighters um, in boxing today but that's sort of what I expect from the best fighters in boxing I expect them to do exactly what he did and I don't know I just to, to me there was to me it was just like it was exact. It was formulaic. Every, everything kind of played out the way that it was supposed to, without Which any drama, happen. without any intrigue. But don't forget to praise him seriously for recovering the way he did and, and almost being better for it. One, he's amazing. And two, he's amazing. Is is any part of your want want feeling the fact that you could argue this shouldn't have been a pay per view, even if it does three hundred, four hundred thousand? Look, Thurman fought Porter on CBS, right? Garcia fought Thurman uh, on CBS, and they did monster numbers. If boxing, if the if the financial landscape was a little bit different, maybe this should have been a spectacular showcase, Showtime or HBO or live on Fox fight, and not a you know seventy four ninety five. If that is your argument, I get it. I totally get maybe. it. If that's part of it, I hadn't I hadn't thought of it necessarily on those terms, but that could be that like oh I had to pay for this too. I I don't know. And listen. It wasn't a bad fight. It was not a bad fight. And Spence is amazing. But it takes me now to point two, which is here's the thing that also annoyed me about this fight, BC. would love to get your take on this, which is Spence looked amazing. We were coming off the Crawford win. He looked amazing over Kell Brook, right? Everybody and their brother is saying this is the fight to make. Now, what's interesting about it is Bud Crawford was in attendance, not a mask on him. So he's going to get the Rona probably before too long. I mean, I hope oh, not, but you know. You. How well, I'm not, I'm, not a wish, I'm not wishing it on him, but Jesus Christ. Uh, here's my point. Both guys kind of dance around the idea that they want it, and I don't think either guy is afraid of it, BC. I think that's ridiculous. But do I really think that they want it? Spence is asked after he wins, and I know it's been a tumultuous time, and the, you know, the champ can say whatever he wants because he's a champ, but he gets asked about it, and he's really noncommittal about who's next. Crawford's there, but he's kind of doing a little bit of bullshitting. The most thing he did was just going to answer hecklers in his face. I'm not convinced either of these guys want it. And if they don't really want it, well, shit or get off the pot, man, because there's a big part of me that believes, listen, they do it, but it really is not their preference. That's really what I believe these days. All right, let me, let me tell you some truths here. Both guys want it bad. Both guys understand the limitations in the sport right now, and I'm not saying this to excuse the sport. 
If you're a fan and you paid and watched this fight and you're like, why the hell are we not getting Spence Crawford next? Yeah, join the club. These are the things that are wrong about boxing in the moment. What I don't like is the people that get that and live in this world and then go out and write the column saying if they don't fight next, you know, boxing is dead. It's like, well, no, this is sort of par for the course. We live in this. Here's the good news. We're probably going to get Spence Crawford in the next year and a half. Why? Because Crawford's got one fight left on the top rank deal. If this was a different world and setup, meaning remember 10, 15 years ago, HBO was number one. Showtime's in the game, but HBO was sort of your number one pay-per-view at the moment. And it was looked at as sort of, as Showtime was, as like any promoter can come on the network. So it's a journalist safe zone, meaning after the fight, if Terrence Crawford is in the crowd, he's probably going to be welcomed into the ring and we're going to have him and Spence go face to face and get you fired up for the future. Well, we didn't see it this time. Why? In some ways, because boxing's uh, promotional and, and financial status right now is a little bit where the networks are almost acting as promoters and everyone's linked to whomever. But the reason why this isn't all awful news is we see the light at the end of the tunnel. Crawford's got one fight left reportedly with top rank when a deal that runs through next October. Both Crawford and Top Rank are swearing each other out publicly and basically telling you it's over. So if you are PBC, Fox, Al Heyman, and you want Crawford to come in and face your big guys and be part of your team, but the deal's not signed, right? You're not going to go out of your way to sort of force a commercial for something and give leverage to somebody that has none at the moment. I'm not saying this is like great. You know, but this is the reality of it all. Spence's best two options next are Pacquiao and Crawford. Crawford's not going to happen until he's out of his deal. And Pacquiao is now a free agent. He was with PBC for two fights. He's a free agent now. Um, I think this is just my 10 cents here. Two cents to 10 cents, whatever you got. Nickel and dime me. <laughs> that Spence purposely didn't mention either guy's name. Maybe I'm not saying Al Heyman picked up the phone, but I am kind of saying Al Heyman picked up the phone and they had a conversation. Why? Because you're giving leverage to them to a certain degree at the table by mentioning them and saying you want them next. I bet you Errol Spence, Al Heyman, PBC, they're all going to have a meeting pretty soon. And the names that'll be on there is Thurman. Can we, or I'm sorry, uh, Crawford. Can we do it? Well, not yet. Pacquiao. Well, let's talk to his people. And if not, how about we get Keith Thurman in a comeback fight in the uh, you know the big early, early part of 2021? And how about we do Thurman Spence next summer? And if that's the plan, Luke, knowing that Crawford's next, we can all sit down for a second and relax. Boxing's not perfect. The best don't always face the best. We had to wait five and a half years for Mayweather Pacquiao for a bunch of really shitty reasons, okay? This is not necessarily that. We're going to get Spence Crawford. It's going to be the biggest fight of this era. It's going to be he Leonard versus Hearns of this welterweight dynasty. It is going to be everything we want and need. But you got to understand how the game works. And in the game right now, it. Crawford's still there. And he's got one more fight. I don't like that Spence didn't mention their names, but I get it at the end of the day. All right? I get it. There's, there's, a, there's a point you're making that as well. There's, you, you describe the gears and how they work in boxing in a very, very important way. It's illuminating every time you talk, and I certainly take, uh, I take it all very seriously. But like, take, take as an example, Tyson Fury fights for Bob, top rank Bob Arum. And here you have, on the other side, uh, Anthony Joshua, who is, by the way, fighting this weekend. We'll preview the fight at the end of the week to get you guys ready for it. Here's the point I'm trying to make, BC. Even, I think, this weekend, or maybe even today or yesterday, Tyson Fury was out there taunting Anthony Joshua 
on Twitter getting after him. He won't stop bringing up his name. And I understand you're going to tell me the mechanics of that are very different than the one between Spence and Crawford. Fair enough. They are absolutely not identical. But some of the same impediments, many of the same impediments, including some of the bigger ones between them, are in play in very similar kinds of ways. Fury doesn't care. He makes it very clear what he wants. He does not mind giving leverage to his opponent. He does not mind it in the end. And he does it seemingly, at least in terms of a public campaign, he does much more to get the fights made. Now, will that be successful in the end? Up to In the end, it's up to Joshua. He has to be a partner in this as well. I don't know. But there's a certain amount of additional restraint that these guys go through that is just so off-putting that at least someone like Tyson Fury... He doesn't do that to the public. And I feel like there should be some acknowledgement. All right, I'll, val- I'll validate what you say, and I will say this. I would rather live in a world where both Spence and Crawford, after each fight, come out in the mic and say, I don't care how it happens, but I need to fight that other guy next. So, hey, promoter, make it happen. And look, credit to Crawford. He did that last fight. He had Bob Arum next to him, and he said, talk to this guy. We need to make this fight happen. So that's good. Again, would I have liked Spence to come out? Yes, and use those words. But also, Luke, he gets where he's at. He knows they have to come to him now. So he kind of sat back and said, yep, going back to the ranch, going to buy some horses, going to be with my family, and we'll figure out what's next. That's a message to everybody else that you're not getting 50-50 against me. Come to the table. We'll see. Is this a fallout of the of the Floyd way of doing things? Maybe, but... Again, I mean, membership has its privileges in this wild, wild west. When you become a star, and this is now three straight A-side roles for Errol Spence in a pay-per-view, that all three were going to guess sold, you know, above expectations, um, you're going to have that power. But yeah, Luke, I'd love uh, uh, I'd love the UFC setup, please. Yeah, the best are going to face the best. All I'm saying is we're going to get it. Luke, we're going to get Crawford Spence. And I said this in the IA Better show, hope. and I want to hear hope. your take. No, I want to set you up, okay? I want to hold you from underneath and, and set you up here. I was a Spence guy in this matchup forever. Then I crossed back over into Crawford territory because he is more dynamic than Spence. Spence is yes. southpaw. He can do it all. But Crawford doesn't paint by numbers, right? He's he, he can switch stances. He can create opportunities. I feel like last night or, or Saturday night was such a thorough performance. I might be a Spence guy again. Luke, I'm telling you, when he's able to box at that level, you know the power punching's there. He's will- These two guys are old school. That's why this fight's going to rule. They are sort old of. school, 1980s, four kings. They want to go in there and fight, Luke. I got Spence right now by a hair. Where do you stand in this great matchup, which I think we will get in the first quarter of 2022? This is BC Talk. If, yeah, I, don't, I mean, you know, another October from now is a long time. I mean, you're sort of making it out to be like not that big a deal. And maybe in the end it won't be. But it's sort of, at, the, at the moment we say this, it feels like a long time, which is why I'm like, why well, can't Crawford buy out his deal? But okay, different, different conversation for a different time. My feeling watching Spence on Saturday is that overall, if the fight went the distance, Spence might win more rounds, but he might get dropped a couple of times. He, Crawford would do what Danny Garcia did, only better. There'd be times where you see Crawford lay back and he's really kind of sort of thinking about it and setting it up. But Danny never really got out of that. Crawford would then make some adjustments and some switches, perhaps some substantive ones, stances, you know, whatever. And dude, th- that hook he hit Kel Brook with, the timing on that, the, the, the little window in which he found a thudding punch to go through, Garcia doesn't have that. He doesn't have it nearly the same kind of way. So to me, if Spence wants to be more active and take the lead... He would win the majority of the rounds. But the question is, how many times would he get dropped along the way? What would that do to the scoring? And 
if anyone's going to stop anyone in that contest, Crawford's going to stop Spence. Spence is not going to stop Crawford. So, dude, it's a hell of a fight if they end up fucking making it, or they're going to be 40, oh, so and you're going to be telling me no, in no, six years, not. BC, no, BC, stop it's going to be six, seven years from now, Crawford's going to be 40 years old, and you're going to be like, dude, buy the exhibition. It's eight rounds, two minutes. Sure, they didn't fight in their prime, but this only is the if chance Ron Paul to watch. can be the referee. Uh, quickly, let's, let's just talk real quick. Because, uh, you know, p- some people got into my comment section. We're like, how could you say Spence is a better resume than Crawford right now? Uh, let's wake the F up, guys. First of all, I'm talking welterweight, not 140. Where, yes, let's give Crawford credit. He brought all four titles together. At welterweight, though, what the hell are we talking about? Here's who Spence is freaking beat. Mikey Garcia, Danny Garcia, Lamont Peterson, uh, Sean Porter. I mean, come on. Like, this is this is getting ridiculous. This guy's putting together a resume of this error that matters. Um, Crawford's not there at welterweight. So uh, Porter's in the driver's chair. He'll get the 60 of the against the 40, Luke, and he'll All deserve right. it. Well, All right? Listen, we've done 47 minutes straight on boxing before our yeah, audience gonna, rebels. We just lost our whole audience, Luke. We just I lost know. everyone. They, All right. they, they have tapped out MMA style. So let's switch things up. Let's go to point number three if we can here. And let's get into the UFC side of things. It was the uh, UFC COVID-16 where a bunch of changes happened to this card, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But for right now, let's talk about that amazing main event. Marvin Vittori, BC, and we talked about it on Friday. I think I was the one that said it, where you agreed too, where we were like, you know, Hermanson has done amazing things, but, you know, maybe Vittori has been kind of overlooked in his career, and I'm waiting for him to take a big step up. Well, that is exactly what this guy did. He wins in the main event, UFC Vegas 16. BC, what did Marvin Vittori prove to you on Saturday? Well, first, I just want to say that both guys proved to me that they're of a special ilk because they went out there for five rounds in a similar manner to what Dustin Poirier and uh, the the damn the damn CKB guy. You know what I'm talking about. The white guy. Oh, Dan Hooker. Yeah. The way that Hooker and Poirier just emptied the tank for five rounds in an important title positioning fight reminded me of how these two guys fought on Saturday. I was humbled. It was such a fun and an increasingly brutal fight. But yes, Vittori made a massive leap forward. Luke, out of everything he showed there, and it was a lot, right? Good good ground game, uh, you know, increased striking in terms of just, just the, the swiftness and the setup of his, of his punches and combinations where we just kind of, or at least I, in my head, th- thought of him as more of just a plodding guy who walks you down. But most importantly, the pace and the cardio. Look, it's a leap, Luke. When you are somebody who can knock dudes out and you look pretty good, well, what are you going to do going five rounds with the champ? This is why I do like the uh, five-round main event of the of the uh, fight night cards. You know, it doesn't work in every matchup, and sometimes it really exposes somebody, but it also really can show you if someone's ready. Marvin Vittori was ready because uh, he had to go through hell. He, he had to take some stiff-ass shots, and I don't want to discount the balls on Hermanson to fight through all the things he did, and we saw the picture of him in the hospital afterwards, but... Vittori 1000% showed you that he is a legitimate title contender. Uh, not right away. He's calling out afterwards, Paulo Costa. And, and I got a hard on from here to, to, uh, you know, Cincinnati getting fired up for the idea of what that would look like Luke. But, uh, yeah, um, this guy, it, look, these are the fights that show you that. And, um, there's another level to get to, which is, would we actually believe he can win the championship? And he's got to, he's got to beat the guy next in line to get there. But he crossed that first hurdle. He's of that ilk to contend for one, and I'm happy to see that for a guy who's had a lot of ups and downs the last few couple of years and had a lot of trouble getting in there. And him with the completely shaved head, 
He looks like an absolute freaking psycho. In fact, Luke, yeah, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but he looks like the damn ogre from uh, Goonies at the chunk, you know, when it, when he's all bloody and the teeth and stuff. But uh, shout out, great performance. Uh, he, he reminded me of uh, Tom Hardy's in this movie where he plays a dude in prison who's got a bald head with like a total Cockney accent. I forget the name of the movie, but he, he reminds Butcher or something. Uh, I forget oh, the I name. Oh, I was dead but... wrong. It's not Chunk. Who's the old damn ogre in Goonies? What's the guy's name before I get another dead wrong put on me? I thought it was Chunk. Or was, uh, was Chunk the fat kid? Chunk was the fat kid. Hey, you guys. I'm yeah, sure. that guy. Yeah, okay. Thank you. All right, well, here's the point. Sloth. Dude. There we go. Sloth. Thank you, Jay. Sloth. Thank you. Sloth in the Goonies. That's right. BC, people don't realize this, and I didn't realize it either until I looked it up. Marvin Vittori first fought in the UFC when he was 23 years old. 23. He's only 27 now. He is younger, I believe. I could be. I might get dead wrong for this, but I believe he's either at the same age or even a little bit younger than uh, than Adesanya was when Adesanya fought Vittori. I mean, he's very, very young, and he came into the UFC and he beat a couple of guys who were no longer in the organization. He had to draw in a couple of losses along the way. But we talked about this with Jan Blahovic, who was a little bit more senior in age by the time he made it to the organization. But Listen, sometimes when you make the jump to the big show, whether by age or by development or a combination of the two, maybe you're not quite, you're good enough to be there, but not necessarily to stand out. And he gave Adesanya a pretty tough fight. But what it goes to show is from 23 to 27, you're going to make, if you're, if you are actually pretty talented and he is, you're going to make big leaps. You're going to make big jumps. You're going to make big improvements. And I don't think the UFC necessarily match made him wrong, given what they had, what he had showed, which was some ability, but some limits as well. But now it's pretty clear that he and Rafael, excuse me, Rafael Cordero have really put in the work over these years and put in the time. Dude, that's a, that's a guy that's going to probably jump into the top five of middleweight. He was at 12 before the contest. What a signature win by him, a signature performance. And, you know, he has this bit of a meathead reputation, and maybe he is. But when he fights, he's got, at least in this particular occasion, he had patience he had strategy that was involved. He had execution about to his strengths and you know working on uh, the things that he was supposed to in terms of his defense, responsibility there for the most part, although those two kind of went at it in the end. I mean, it was such a really mature performance from him. That's the thing I, I want folks to take away. It's like, how good is Vittori's upside? Do we haven't even scratched the surface? The guy is still maturing, but this was the first real moment that he rounded a big corner in his career and beat a real opponent. And by the way, credit to Jack Hermanson who had a broken Ooh. foot and a broken face and still took at least one round on the judges' scorecards after being 10-8'd in the first round. It may have taken even two rounds depending on your individual scorecard. What hustle and grit and determination from him as well. Had some Dude, trouble with the single leg, but whatever. Outback Jack landed some bombs toward the tail end of that fight. I mean, he was never really out of it, so you give him credit. <laughs> but to double down on what you just said right there, let's not forget that Vittori took this fight on last-minute notice. Was supposed to be fighting Jacare in a couple weeks. So while this was, you know, UFC fight night COVID-16 for sure, and, uh, you know, we almost saw uh, Floyd versus Logan Paul uh, pushed up to this card just to make sure they had enough fights on there, Luke. It also is breeding opportunity. We saw that in Justin Gaethje. We've seen that in, a, in the three or four fighters who have jumped off and fought four or five times this year, the the Kamzats and uh, Kevin Holland and all those guys. But we're seeing it now in Vittori to be able to take advantage of the opportunity and then be better than we thought he could be. And, God, I mean, Hermanson had won, what, six or seven coming in? That was a tough ad. Remember that little gross bag with the two huevos in it and the, the gross liquid that you, I, you couldn't pay me $4 million to, to, to shoot that liquid, Luke? 
that represents what the, what both guys brought to the table. You love to see that, Luke. You love to see people rise to the occasion. I don't know what you give somebody when they lose a fight and put that much into it. I mean, did you see that video that's lingering, Luke, that UFC put together of the fallout of the Poirier-Hooker fight? And they showed how badly damaged both guys were backstage afterwards. They had just fought the fights of their lives. And you're like, man, don't even tell me what Dan Hooker made for that fight because it was not enough. Don't tell me what uh, what this guy Jack Hermanson made either because uh, I don't know how you live with yourself when you put it all on the freaking line like that and don't get the win. But it was for our pleasure, Luke, and thank you to both guys. Lastly, he wanted Marvin Vittori in a post-fight speech that was largely blurred out uh, and covered up because of all the F-bombs. Still, it was spirited. He wants Paulo Costa, BC. How did you go wrong with that one? Marvin Vittori taking on Paulo Costa. We talk about Marvin Vittori. He's interesting, right? He's still getting his strengths. You know, he's building brick by brick. But what is he really good at? Strong, sturdy, good fundamentals, now more patient. Holy Jesus, BC. How do you not love that call out? Dude, and I don't know how he has this level of patience, which you rightly, uh, you know, affirmed him for. Remember we saw him in the hotel lobby earlier this year when his opponent uh, couldn't make weight and pulled out. He almost killed a man. But yeah, uh, this is the, I mean, this is the ultimate test. And you have to believe that if they make this fight, Paulo Costa has a lot of explaining to do about himself after that, that, uh, that egg he laid against uh, uh, Adesanya. So this is great. And you know what's great about, being opportunistic and, and getting this chance for Vittori is be, having the storyline without Asanya is going to help him get there faster, Luke. It's going to help making that rematch easier for the matchmakers. And maybe it's rightfully so for him, knowing how hard of a road he's had to get back here and get back into contention. Got to keep winning. Beating a guy like Costa, good Lord, is not, you know, good. that's not an easy night at the office for anybody. But if he does it, Luke, there'd be nothing stopping him from getting that Adesanya title unless Adesanya completely leaves, leaves the division. So, yes, yes, yes. All right. Yes. Point number, point number four, speaking yes. of the middleweight division, BC, point number four, let's go to it now. Yoel Romero has been released by the UFC. I cannot get any clarity on whether he asked for it or not, but either way, they have parted ways. And in fact, he had three fights left on his deal. The initial news was reported by ESPN's Ariel Hawani. Okay, BC, let's go to you on this one. Woo. Was this the right call for both fighter and uh, promoter or just the right call for one of them? How do you view this news? I'm shocked. Let me first just sit in this puddle. I'm shocked, absolutely, that this would happen. Uh, Luke, does this signal, because we did see Dana White sort of say there'd be more to come, um, for, for a guy who a promoter who works so hard to get the you know train back on the tracks this year. And I, again, I'll give the UFC credit for days for what they pulled off. There was a lot of like, well, nobody lost their job. Well, are we going to see a big round of layoffs here? Because if this is the first sort of first giant domino to fall, um, this is a surprising one. Now, would it make sense from the idea of here's a guy who's older, the window's closing, even though he's a freak of nature and he's not slowing down. He probably demands a higher, you know, amount of money than a younger guy coming in. And we know Dana loves the contender guys because they don't make anything and they fight their balls off. So maybe it makes more sense long-term strategic financially than we realize if it's followed by a bunch of similar aging names. Like, I don't think Chris Weidman's going to get let go. But let's say Chris Weidman got let go after this. You'd be like, oh, my God. Shogun. They are really Someone like Shogun, right? Right. You'd be like, they are really looking to clean house and get the higher price guys who aren't as valuable anymore off of the of the ledger. Then it would make a lot more sense. But if this turns out to be just a one off, Luke, 
It's weird. Look, I never thought UFC would let Corey Anderson go, who didn't bring them a lot of financial upside, but they kind of let him go easy and said, yeah, go ahead, go to Bellator. We don't think you can sell anyway. Um, Romero makes fun fights, Luke. I know he brings some, you know, a little bit of baggage with that, with missing weight a lot, and, you know, he didn't fight so aggressively against Adesanya, but uh, this is really weird to me, and it really begs the discussion now of where does he go because that window may be small, but that window is going to be freaking explosive. I think this is a big pickup for anybody, Luke, whoever goes after him. I don't know what to make of this news in terms of what it means for Yoel. Dana White said the guy had, what, lost four or five or something like that. And if you look at it, he had lost to the current champion, he'd lost twice to the previous champion, and he'd lost to the number one contender. Now, I thought he beat the number one contender in Paulo Costa, and I thought he I've beat never seen him at least lose, one, of, one of those times. Um, I've but, never seen him know. lose a decision. I've never seen it. Right, exactly. Right, I know what you mean. So, listen, but the, the record shows what the record shows. He's 44 years old. And he probably does command a bit of a higher price tag than the you know uh, another fighter with some kind of a sort of a similar-ish record. So in that sense, it's not all that surprising. And you're right. Like if they release like a Shogun or somebody a little bit longer in the tooth who's not quite done, but you know doesn't have their brightest days ahead of them, then maybe we'll all come to understand this a little bit better. Here is the part of the argument from folks who are worried about this that I'm not I'm not saying it's wrong because I don't know that it's wrong. But I'm skeptical about it being right, which is, oh, what the UFC is doing is getting rid of these expensive guys who are still good uh, and might be fan favorites, and they're going to replace them with a bunch of contender series guys in hopes no one notices. Well, to some extent, there probably is a little bit of truth to that no matter what. There is necessary turnover. The contender series has been really the UFC's main method of signing folks because regional MMA has ground to a near, not complete, but near halt. So yeah, like there's going to be a lot of that used as a mechanism for even natural turnover um, in that sense. I, I think that's probably quite fair. On the other hand, BC, one, there are about 500 NBA players total. There are almost 700 UFC fighters. The UFC does not need more fighters than the NBA has players, number one. Number two, am I really supposed to believe by most estimates that, let me back up a step, by most estimates the UFC has around 80, 85, sometimes 90%, you know, it's always in fluctuation, of the premier talent in the sport. It's been measured a few different ways, but that is generally the way that it comes out. Am I really to believe that they're going to substitute that out for cheaper fighters and just hope no one notices? Like, they're going to really give away important parts of their organization to their, if not competitors, smaller organization and, and change the way in which they have a grip on the industry, I'm not saying there won't be painful cuts. BC, I'm not saying there won't be surprising cuts. What I am saying is, and we'll see what happens because I don't know, I am skeptical of the idea that they're just going to give away big parts of their roster and this will change the UFC in some way where it becomes a much more watered-down version of itself. A little watering? Maybe. A lot? Yeah. Ah, I want to see what happens first. Yeah, you got to give UFC a ton of credit from the standpoint of they made the brand the strongest thing, even to this day. Even, you know, like they're less reliant even on a McGregor with the new pay-per-view deal. The brand is the strength. We've seen it so many times. The contender series fights are really fun, and those guys are becoming contenders seemingly out of nowhere right away. In, in People are expendable, Luke, and there are a lot of aging names who, who do. I mean, Overeem makes a shit ton of money. Have you ever seen his guarantees, Luke, compared to everybody else? He gets like eight hundred grand a fight or something, something huge. Yeah, with no upside, but like a solid eight hundred grand when his opponents are making like you know eighty six thousand or something. So, um, what I'm saying is, guys like that, I would see 
seem like in this, you know, this tough times. And look, these are tough times. Every company's going through this. And it's not ridiculous in your company. Maybe you work at, you know, A&W Insurance that Bob from accounting around the corner, man, he's, he's pretty good at his job. But he's like 52 years old, Luke. And he draws a salary of like 130000 because he's been here since the 70s. We can get a kid out of college for, you know, a third of that. And that's just the reality of life. So I do think we're going to see a little bit more of that. I think they're going to be strategic, though. They don't want to put somebody out there in the market who can instantly raise the platform of a con- right. of a contending promotion. But none of these names we're throwing around can. Unless, Luke, if you are Scott Coker, okay, and you have said, you know, I don't really need Anderson Silva. We're doing our own thing. And they're doing their own thing just fine, by the way. But if you are Scott Coker, do you place two phone calls right now? One to Anderson Silva, one to Yoel Romero. And the third to whoever helps you set up your pay-per-views and you go, hey, I got a tentpole idea. We're going back on pay-per-view and we're going to load that card up with our best guys. But we're going to have Andy Silva and Yoel Romero and we'll see you soon, boy. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd be there with all, my, all the shekels, Luke. Okay? I mean, as, oh. it relates to, as it relates to Yoel Romero, here's the other part about it that folks have to accept. Whether you thought he won those fights that he didn't, fine. Again, I thought he should have won a couple of them, but the reality is he didn't. If you're uh, Yoel Romero, you've lost to the champion, the former champion, and then the former number one contender. You have a path back to the title, but it's probably a very, very long one. Or you got to change weight classes, or there's a bunch of stuff. And maybe the UFC warned him to do it, and he wouldn't do it. So they parted ways. We'll have to see what the story is. There's a lot about this we don't know yet, too, which is you know complicating the analysis of it. But if you're uh, Yoel Romero, you're still pretty good. I think even UFC would say he's still pretty good. Dude, you can go to another organization, a Bellator, a One, or whatever, and maybe you win a title, maybe you don't, but you're still going to do well. You might get a decent amount of pay in the process, something either commensurate or pretty close to it. You're going to get sponsors that will make up some of the difference or you know exceed it, blah, blah, blah. In other words, there's a lot of reasons why a refresh at this stage for his career, maybe that's not what you wanted or what I wanted, but it's not the end of the world for his career more generally. So we'll just have to see how it goes there. The one thing I would say about Bellator as being an option for him, and again, he very, very well may go there, Corey Anderson just did, as long as they're doing Thursday night fights, I mean, my, my, my understanding is that eventually that this won't be forever. I don't know when it will change, but for, while they're on Thursday nights, um, they're going to be limited in what kind of fights they're going to put on. They're not going to put on like big expensive ones because that's not the biggest time to get the biggest audience as Saturday night is. So when they make that move to a tentpole event on a Saturday, then you might see a lot more interest in your Romero's or your Silva's. So just pointing out, Beltor may or may not sign him. I don't know what their plan is. But a marquee well, like, fight is something that's they're not really doing right now. Yeah, I mean they're not. You're right. But if they do, obviously, in the sense of the Viacom CBS merger, when you're in the same family as Showtime and Big CBS, and there's history right. there for right. both of going there. Hey, if you're Shatri, okay, do you call up and say, "Hey, you want to fight Bel- Vitor Belfort?" Yeah, you could do that. You could do that. Uh, but do, does does one really have money? I don't know if they have money. They say they have uh, money, but we'll, they say lots of things. We'll find out in court one day, Luke. But um, <laughs> I will say that, uh, you know, if if he wanted to go into boxing, Yoel Romero, let's not forget that his brother was former cruiserweight world champion, uh, Yoan Pablo uh, Hernandez, or I'm dead wrong. I'm close. I'm close, okay? I'm close on the name. But uh, I wonder if he might try effing around going into boxing. Sorry, Luke. I got Zoe the cat here, and she's clawing the crap out of me. So I'm getting cut up here worse than, uh, yeah, all right. Hi, hi, Zoe. Oh, uh, Zoe's a nice I mean, cat. she's nice. She's great, but she 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 uh, injures me a lot. 
biting and scratching, okay? I'm going to she, take that cat back to the pound. How's that sound? She would take Booger downtown, Luke, okay? She would scratch his eyeballs out. Just because she has a bad attitude right? doesn't mean she's going to beat the Brock Lesnar of cats. You understand that? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm on the Tonight Show and I got a snake around my forehead. This is great. All right, let's get back to real life here. Dude, my first time we picked our cat up off the street because he was all sick and, and it was he was in bad shape, and we took him to the vet, and we heard him back there just screaming bloody murder when they tried to inspect him. And then the doctor came out, and the doctor go, or the vet, and he goes, um, how do I say this kindly? Your cat does not respond to normal methods of control. <laughs> I was like, okay, what do you want me to do about it? They're like, can we sedate your animal? I was like, yes, fine. Yeah. All the nurses, all the nurses got fucked up back there trying to mess with him. Please, your cat wouldn't oh. last a round. Which cat was this, Booger? Yeah, it was Booger. You don't oh. fuck around, what's bro. His, what's, his, what's his Spanish name? Moco. Moco, got it, got it. Yes. Yeah. All right, last but not least, point number five, and then we'll move on to some other parts of the show here, BC. Any standouts? We had a lot of going things going on. We had a lot of small wins. We had a lot of big wins. We had a lot of things in motion. Give me somebody who had a standout performance from the weekend. Yeah, how about on that Spence Garcia Fox pay-per-view undercard? Luke, are you woke to this, the towering inferno? Six-foot-seven junior middleweight Sebastian Fundora. I got to be honest, he looks like a praying mantis. He had been a curiosity for us boxing nerds for a while, showing up on undercards. He's just 22 years old. But, Luke, he's putting together uh, a fun stretch of fights here. He had a step-up fight against Nathaniel Gallimore last year, and he knocked that dude out. And that guy's a tough sort of journeyman in this division. And he came in here against uh, this uh, Ahmed uh, something guy. Uh, Shout-out to that guy. But, uh, Habib Ahmed. Said, Habib Ahmed, yeah. Uh, and he sent him to hell, Luke. And he looks really fluid. Now, here's the deal. When you get a freak of nature, a guy 6'7 at 154 pounds, you're really waiting for him to get folded up into a suitcase. I mean, you really are as a fan. You're like, okay. But the the fluidness of his combinations and the ability, Luke, just to do what he's doing in that picture, to stand ridiculously far away from his opponent and land stiff jabs and uppercuts, if he did not have legitimate power, as we're finding out, he would have got solved a long time ago. He's got one draw, no defeats on his record, but he is now creeping into sort of quasi you know, top 15 contention area where he's going to have to step up big next fight, but they asked him afterwards and he wants all the big names. I'm not going to count this dude out until I finally see him end up in a Samsonite and, and put through the x-ray machine because uh, he's, he's fun and he can throw. And I, I mean, look, I've always been a fan of these sort of, I mean, Diego Corrales, remember when he was at featherweight? Good God. I mean, I've always, you know, Paul Williams was at welterweight for a while at, at six foot one or whatever. I always liked the freaks of nature, but this is a, an all new reality of it. A six, seven junior welter middleweight, but it just turns out he can punch Luke. I don't know his punch resistance. Let's see somebody get it inside on that. But for now, it's certainly a fun ride. All right. For my uh, standout performance, that was a great one. Fundora. It looks interesting. I'm going to go with Ilya Toporia who fought Damon Jackson on the UFC card, just hit him with an unbelievable rib roaster. Actually, I say liver roaster, left hand, and then finished him off with a right hand over the top. 23 years old, black belt. He's like Spanish-Georgian. I'm not sure exactly what his entire origin story is. Trains out of MMA Masters. He is that young. He is already this good. He throws a ton of heat, aggressive, and with a high-level camp. MMA Masters doesn't get a lot of attention as a high-level camp, but they absolutely are one. A lot of good fighters come from there, and he is already showing to be... You know, you know what he reminds me of, BC? Early career 
early WEC, you know, UFC run, Dustin Poirier. Just absolutely coming forward, throwing hammers, good technique, not totally formed yet, but, you know, pretty good, great on the ground, unafraid. He is very interesting. He's undefeated, 9-0, and in the, and this is his, what, second fight in UFC. Uh, just an absolute finishing machine. All of his wins, let's see, one, two, three, four. Yeah, all of his wins come by way of stoppage except for one when he beat Yusuf Zalal. That was it. He nearly submitted him. This guy is a hammer. Be on the lookout for him. Uh, the way that, that his opponent fell from, from that right hand, Luke, it almost looked unnatural. It almost looked like, like what the hell's inside that glove? So that, that, that's power that jumps off the screen. So I'm certainly interested in following him. And now MMA Masters, they, they found Amanda Nunes, right? She used to sleep in that yes. damn gym. Correct. Correct, they did. And, you know, I think Colby Covington's down there. I'm not sure about that. But um, Ricardo Lamas was there for a long time. I mean, they've had a lot of good guys and, and ladies come out of there. So high-level jamming. This guy is just the truth completely. Uh, all right. Those are our top five, top six comments or topics, really, BC. Time now for when the donks get to ask us a question. It is time for DMs from donks. Hee-haw. 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 <laughs> all right. As my nose closes. Uh, let's go to Angry Suddy. BC, why do boxers have their fathers slash family members in their corner so much more often than MMA fighters? <laughs> Great question. Great question. Um, maybe because the sport of MMA kind of just started still in our modern right. era here, and uh, boxing's been around forever, and it's such a national cultural sport, especially in a lot of you know a lot of these uh, backgrounds where you do find this in Mexico, Puerto Rico. It's just such a handed down art. You know, I mean, in, in a lot of times, it's weird, though, you know, and I went through this um, last week at doing the NBC sports fights and doing the uh, fighter meetings beforehand, which is always uh, my favorite time, Luke, because you get to sit down, no cameras with the fighter and his coach and whatever, and just sort of, you know, try to find some interesting uh, tidbits about them for the broadcast. But a lot of the times the guys that come in, you know, they're these Mexican kids and their dad's the, the trainer and you've seen it to so many great effects in boxing, that relationship work. And you've also seen it be disastrous. And I always find it interesting, Luke, how some dads are completely like, no, he's got to go out there and the fight's not over till my kid's killed. And other dads are like, you know, let's, let's pull them the second that they get touched. It's it, that whole dynamic dynamic is always interesting. I think that the dads are more likely from some of the more boxing, traditional backgrounds and nations to just let their, let their son get their ass kicked. But, uh, I don't know why we don't see that in MMA. In fact, Luke, off the top of my head, can I even name one well-known relationship in the father-son realm? The uh, um, the Jordan the Meehan family. The Meehans. Or not McKee. Um, McKees are one. Uh, Meehans are yeah, another. McKees, yeah, Okay. Um, okay. There, there are some other ones as well. It's because, you're right, it's because it doesn't have the same kind of tradition that <laughs> boxing does by virtue of partly it's a cultural thing, but also it's just young. It's why a lot of times, I mean, it's not even just family members, BC. Folks may not realize this, but if you watched MMA back in like the early to mid-2000s, a lot of the cornermen were just fighters' other teammates, which is to say you didn't even see old dudes, like even like older men, 40s and 50s, in their corner. You saw other guys in their 20s and 30s because that's all that there was. There was no first generation. Now you've got a few generations, or you know, some generations, I should say, how many is up for debate, but... Now you've got guys who fought for a little while and have moved into coaching or maybe dads or whatever. You're starting to see a little bit of that turnover, but it was just I – re I remember distinctly back in 2006, it was, it was someone was cornered by someone else who was the exact same age. That's all there was. 
So that's the that's yeah. the real well, reason. Well, let's right bring there. in let's bring in Jay Aaron real quick. Jay, um, For you what? you once had a run on the uh, the Ultimate Fighter with Uriah Hall until he hit you with a spinning head kick. Um, did your dad corner you at all during that run? Uh, no, my dad coached all of my uh, basketball and baseball teams under the age of thirteen. All Great. Right. Can we get rid of Jay, please? Can we move on? Thank you. Uh, all right. Yeah. Let's go to I'm just gonna go. Liam O'Brien. BC, of all the fight posters at the Wildcard Boxing Gym, which one is your favorite? Great question. It's a, that's a great question because while I'm in there, I do nothing but sit there and stare at all the photos and posters. Um, I don't have a favorite right now, but it's spectacular. The pictures are great. There's so many celebrities on the wall. They do have a lot of uh, really uh, – Fun sort of old school fight posters. Um, I wish I had a better answer for you right now, Luke. I wish I had any answer, but I have did. You, I was just there on Thursday, and I was staring at them all. Have you been to the Downtown Boxing Club in Manhattan? No, no. So they've got all the walls plastered with posters, like, from all different eras. Um, that's a fun little place to go to and train as well. You know Eric Kelly, the guy that got the pool stick in his eye and fucked him up, but he's got he's like he's like a real shitty person to, like, people who yes, don't train, yes. you know? He trains down there, or at least he teaches down there anyway. It's Eric hilarious. Kelly, yeah, I know that guy, yeah. 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 Uh, all right, from at Michael underscore woes. Will the pay-per-view well, model... Let me, let me answer. I, I didn't give that guy an answer. Um, Freddie loves Kodo. There's some really cool Kodo ones. I saw a freaking Kodo Mosley one, and there's a lot of... There's, there's Pacquiao stuff everywhere, and there's Miguel Cotto stuff everywhere these days, obviously, along with Freddie. There's one picture, though, of Freddie Roach with really long mullet hair. hair. Uh, I think he was working Tyson's Corner back then, like in, in, right in the tail end of his career. That's I would love to have it in my house. Freddie with flowing long mullet hair. It's fantastic. All right, back to you, Luke. Uh, Michael Woes asks, will the pay-per-view model that's being used for the Floyd versus Paul f- exhibition be used in the future of combat sports? It's an interesting gamble, isn't it, B.C.? It really is, because let's be really honest. I mean, you can argue, Luke, when, when we did see a May Pack or a May Mac, are those two fights so big that we would all pay 100? Good God, we would have paid 200, maybe. But a lot of these boxing pay-per-views are, are borderline under the whole idea of should they even be a pay-per-view. And certainly, Luke, I mean, God, I hate, I hate the idea of people having to pay 75 bucks in HD. It's like, yeah, there, there's something to be said here, Luke. I think you could see more fights that are tough to make because they're in that middle ground between regular TV or pay-per-view where the, the, the cable provider can't, doesn't have the money to pay for it, but it would die on the vine on pay-per-view. How about putting it out there? for an introductory rate of 15 bucks and seeing if you can get a million people to put down 15 bucks on that, you know, and then, then you can announce, Oh my God, we've sold a million. I mean, here's the deal. The more you announce that, that something is becoming popular and must see the more other people are going to go, Oh, I should check into what that's going to be all about. So the most brilliant part of it, Luke, in my eyes is that the price automatically goes up the second they hit that 1 million threshold, because that becomes an announcement that becomes like an event, like, Two weeks out, we two weeks in, and we've already hit it, guys. So if you want to see this fight, you better pay now because it's only going to get more expensive. Like, yeah, that's that is so brilliant to get more money, but it's also brilliant, Luke, to potentially create a market on pay per view that works for the fights that have no business being sixty to a hundred bucks. Yes. Listen, if you can find a clever way to still make money, maybe as much, maybe more and find a way to lower the price point for pay-per-views, you're not only doing a great service to the consumer, but yeah, you could revolutionize the way, the way pricing structure works. Again, will it work, BC? I have no idea. 
But do I applaud people trying to do something a little bit different? Absolutely. Let's see what works. Let's see if there's a cheaper and better way to do this and everyone can still win. That's what I'm in favor of. All right, from Ilya745, can Luke and BC recreate the dirty dancing pose moment in the documentary sequel? Is that the one where like no one puts baby in the corner and then it's this number? That's no, that's the where she gets yeah, she gets the running start and then Swayze lifts her up. <laughs> I've seen a there's a lot of fail videos, by the way. I should bring them in to have you seen this shit of of drunken males trying that. Luke, you'd have to be the bottom on that though, okay? Yeah, I'd I'd have to be the power bottom. <laughs> I'm at a career high in weight at the moment of uh, 232. Luke, could you lift me? Yeah, you'd be okay if I did. If I did like a, if I did like a, if you're running start and I could, you know, it wasn't a strict press, I could do it. Uh, your boy is out here lifting weights almost every day, so I'm trying to trying to undo the damage the of thing, the quarantine. The only thing for both of us, Luke, is you know people want so badly for us to get to 100k because they think you and I are just gonna like stand out in the middle of like you know the OK Corral and pull down our pants and go tip to tip, which is just not happening. But um, I it, I it, kind of be teabagging you if we did this, and I I'm not into that, you know. Well, I'll wear a mask. Um, you know me, I love wearing masks. All right, from our a rock Paul Jr. BC French toast waffles. Or pancakes? What do you think? That's a, it's a very fair question. I love all three. Breakfast is the, the best meal in all of food, Luke. And nothing is better than sloppy breakfast when you're traveling, hungover, or both. So, Luke, um, pancakes. Pancakes are the option. Look, I, I mean, I love the... Well, here's the thing, though, Luke. Gourmet, we've had this discussion before. Gourmet chicken and waffles, this whole revolution is just... I mean, it is just incredible how good... Uh, fried chicken and waffles are with just soaked in syrup. Um, but you know, with, if, without the element of chicken, I got to go pancakes. I'm a, pa- I'm a basic pancake guy, Luke. Okay. Give me some chocolate chips, some banana inside of them. I mean, come on, you know, if we're going to go for uh, it, let's go for it, Luke. You know what? I have long been a pancake guy myself, BC. I, I, French toast, I only like when it's made in certain ways, but it's very, very good. Waffles. I have certainly had much more of appreciation for now than I ever did. But I've just always been loyal to pancakes. Yes, it's yes, it's simple. It's a it's a flat little thin cake, and you can stack a bunch of them there. But it's it's simplicity is it's beauty. BC, you can put stuff on it. You can put stuff in it. It can be sweet. Uh, it can be cloyingly sweet, depending on your perspective. I don't know. Hard all those to go wrong with it. All those adjectives you could say about a woman too, Luke. I think there's a connection here. Could could be could be true. You can stack them high. All right. With that, BC? No. The, well, I was going to ask. I was going to follow up, Luke, and say, uh, do you get bacon or do you get sausage with it? I mean, both would be great, but what do you prefer? I actually do not eat pork um, at all. Uh, and it's not because, like, I'm like I'm not Islamic or anything um, or one of the Abrahamic religions. It's just that uh, I'm trying to eat less meat, and uh, pigs are smarter than dogs and have sentient, emotionally complex lives, and I just don't believe in eating them. So... Is go. this extending to hot dogs, Luke? Because I don't know if we could be friends anymore. It does extend to hot dogs. I'd, I'd make an ex- I mean, you know, cows have these kinds of lives too, but I'm a little bit more willing to throw the baseball glove on the truck in the words of Dennis Leary. But uh, maybe Thank I could have like a beef one, you know? Great reference. Thank you. Uh, I thought you were joining Jay's tribe by, by saying no to uh, bacon no. and sausage. You know what the only problem is? I'm more of a sausage guy than bacon at like a diner if I'm getting pancakes and it's sloppy. But I want the thin cut sausage. You know the, those some those certain diners where you order the sausage and they give you like the they give you Rocco Sofredi basically and you're like, I, I don't I can't do this. I don't want this. I, you I like the sausage you know. patty. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> the pat, yeah, I'll take the patty. But you know that thick thing, and there's like a tail on it, and it's got skin, and it's just like no, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not. That's like the that's like the monster dump I took before the show. That thing it, it met yeah, all those yeah, descriptions. I don't, I don't, I don't do that. I don't do that. No. no. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, with that in mind, let's move on to uh, speaking of feces, BC. It's time for have you seen this shit? Is it not? <laughs> yeah, it's time for BC's feces. It is yes. <laughs> The best segment in all of uh, sports. uh, Uh, I look forward to this segment in ways I didn't used to. I'm ready for this one today, BC. All right. uh, We scour the globe. You know what the hell we do here. Let's do it. Uh, UFC fight night in Vegas, Luke. We had some fun on the undercard. (laughs) Fat spinny shit gone wrong. Check out Jake Collier's attempt at a spinning back elbow against bloated John Volante. This is is only marginally better than how we would fight. Well, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, let's not mistake. You know, we're we're allowed to make fun of people because we are in our basements, Luke. Okay, but these guys actually sign up for. It. I didn't know, by the way, that Collier used to fight at middleweight and was thin. Yeah, dude. What happened, yeah. Luke? Quarantine, bro. Quarantine hurt him yeah. up. Yeah, tough loss or tough break in life there. Okay, let's move on here. Did you see this KO with the knee from Gabriel oh, Benitez and the damage man. that it did to Justin James's soul? Good lord, Luke. Dude, and you know the referee is holding him like a child who fell off their tricycle and skinned their knee, like we're all loving and shit, you know? Man, he even he could be like, look at him holding him there like, oh, yeah, Jesus, dude, that must have been brutal to deal with. As brutal, brutal. as that was, Luke, we had a worse soul-taking, and it took 22 seconds, 37-year-old Matt Wyman, Joseph Gordon-Levin picked him up and took him to the third stone from the sun, Luke. This is what is going on here. Yikes. That's the meanest thing a Mormon has ever done. Oh, God. Wow. Dude, what Uh, is Matt Wyman doing, man? Yeah, let the boys be boys. This, I mean, even Rose Namajunas is like, tuck your chin, bitch. Like this, what is happening here, right? (laughs) I love Matt. He had a great run in the UFC, but he came back after five years. And all the fights have just been, even the one he survived, they've just been ugly. Dude, this was 22 seconds, though. This was just bad. You know, this wasn't like Matt Hughes picking up Trigg and running them across as we hear uh, Bob yeah, like O'Reilly epic. playing in the yeah. background. You know, this yeah, was, yeah. yeah, all right. Hey, let's go to the aforementioned Ring City USA NBC Sports main event. Did you see Brandon Adams coming out as Bowser from uh, Mario Kart, Luke? God bless this man. Can barely get through the ring, but you know what? I appreciate that he's the final boss on this. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, you know, if you're going to come out looking like that, you better get a knockout win, which he did. So shout out to him. But he couldn't get the damn shell off. He needed referee Jack Reese to help him. It was a near wardrobe malfunction, Luke. So that almost blew the the uh, the gimmick. But uh, shout out to Brandon Adams just the same. Uh, let's roll on here, Luke, from Miami. We had a boxing card. Unieski Gonzalez's opponent. The guy in the white shorts came in 14 pounds overweight for their light heavyweight bout, Luke. 14 pounds. 14. He didn't come in 14 pounds heavy. BC, he came in at heavyweight. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, just just saying. He didn't, like, he came in at heavyweight for a fight three weight classes below. Uh, The guy's name is Alex Theran, and yes, he got sent to hell by Unieski. Shout out there in Miami. Oh, wow. Okay. Hey, really weird shit went down, Luke, at the Fame MMA 8 card. I don't know this lady's name, but I love it. What is happening here, Luke? Let me guess. Some Slavic country this is taking place in? (laughs) 
I don't know, but I, I think we need to be there. I mean, what is happening here? There's live women. There's there's blown up women. There's roses. Yeah. All right. MMA is it's weird. It's a weird sport with weird people. Whew. All right. Best head kicks of the week time, Luke. Let's go to Cage Fury FC. Check out Paris Artist. Oh, God. Forget Paris. Jesus. Wow. Yikes. Woo. Oh, my God. Please. They sent in the surgeon. You see that guy? That wasn't a ringside doctor. That was a damn surgeon. He came in in scrubs. Ah. They're going to operate on him right there. Whoa. Hold Yikes. that. Yep. All right. Let's go over to one championship. There's a fellow named Bokang Masunyan. And he's little, but this pocket rocket can get you out of there, Luke. Watch this. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Is he from South Africa? I think he might be in the remake of The Wizard of Oz, Luke, but this is great. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Jesus. Let's go over to a K1 WGP kickboxing and our fella Enpu Rukia with a switch kick head kick KO, Luke, that oh. defies it. It defies description, brother. Jumping oh. switch kick, no less. Oh, and did he testify Even... in church? Blah, blah. Whew. Praise I mean, that's some Joaquin Jesus. Buckley shit right there, right? That's great. Wow. All that's right. Amazing. Yeah. All right. Let's head back to glory kickboxing here. You know what, Luke? For all the differences between us, men and women really aren't all that different at the end. Here's a kick to the taco, Luke, and it's... It stings, bro. It still it still stings. I'll tell you that much. Did you call it a taco? Really? Is that what we're calling it now? I mean, it, it, well, it's not Tuesday, but yeah, I mean, it's trying to be safe, Luke. Trying to be safer. Okay, that is. Uh, wow. Yeah. Woo. Okay. Do you know what? Do you know what? I forget what the word is in Spanish. You know what they call it here? Because you know we have to clean my daughter when you know she takes a dump in her pants. They, you know, they they call <laughs> it going the clam. This? Yeah, I know. It's gross. I mean, yeah. Okay. All right, Luke, let's go over to uh, the subway tracks. This is death defying here. This is impressive. Is this an ollie? Whoa, Luke. Why wasn't the train there to hit him? (laughs) It it takes a lot of balls to pull that off. I I got respect for this. This just goes to show you how long you have to wait for the train in New York City. That guy is, you know what? I tell you what, Antifa can skateboard. I'll I'll give Antifa that. Yeah. Yeah, he'll he'll be occupying Wall Street after this trick. It's great, Luke. All right. Uh, Let's go on. Hey, Luke, you ever hear the term fire crotch? We got a new meaning thanks to this gentleman. Check this out. So it's like a trick, right? It's like a party trick. So he he shoots it through his pants. This is how he trims his pubes. (laughs) The problem is, Luke, you can get a little on you, and then it gets hard to get that, uh, that shit off, Luke. You know, I doubt he was working with Lex the Impaler situations. Oh, Jesus. Well, he looks uh, he looks uh, Polynesian, but he now has the Irish curse just the same. All right. Hey, street fight of the week time, Luke. Let's go down to Sydney, Australia, down under. Look at this little road rage incident here. This is fun. Watch this. Channel 9 News picking it up. Shout out to all our Aussie fans down there in Oz. I'm waiting. Yeah, well, pretty oh. normal situation now, cutting over here. What I love about it, Luke, is you'll find out, is this goes from zero to 60. I mean, this goes from I cut you off to it's on, like Donkey Kong, okay? It's on. Okay. Put the parking brake on. We're going to throw. We're going to throw here, Luke. All right. Gets out of the vehicle. Get out of your uh, Honda Civic there. Oh, look at this, Luke. We got, look at, look at this. They're in traffic. 
Is this how Aussies do democracy? <laughs> hey, their COVID numbers are spectacular right now. I will say that. Yeah, do they have less than 50 in the whole country? I'll never forget, Luke. Uh, I, we cut senior year in high school. We cut class, and we drove to the Basketball Hall of Fame, and we had 40s in the car, and we were listening to Dennis Larry's No Cure for Cancer, followed by Led Zeppelin 1 on CD. And as we're driving on I-91 in Mass, huge fight. Two guys pull over just like this, start brawling. Guys got a guy in a, in a guillotine. It was fantastic. When you're like 17, it's fantastic, Luke. All right? I have a friend who's, uh, who's very little. He's like 5'3". He weighs like 120. He used to flip off everyone on traffic. And then one day, he, we were, this was we were in Georgia, and he flipped off this giant redneck in his huge car. And then the redneck dude clearly wanted to fight. Like, you know, it was honking the horn and shit. And uh, so my friend, an absolute, I mean, you know, you should have been honking the horn and you definitely shouldn't fight him. But like, I, you know, what are you supposed to do at that point if you're him? Well, here was his genius idea. He just drove to the police station. <laughs> he thought that <laughs> would be that. plenty of cover. Yeah, I do support that. All right. Hey, let's head over to the UK, Luke. They get a little crazy there. They like street fights, okay? We got another, you know, fender bender, some guys talking trash. See, you got to be careful, Luke. You never know who's hiding. Who's hiding a little bit of like a K1 background or some uh, shoot the box, right? Hands down. First person to throw is going to Oh, wait. Oh, bop. Two piece. Oh, look at the shirtless guy. Shirtless guy's got. If you got a ponytail and no shirt and you want to fight in the street, you're going to win. That's sort of the the unwritten rules. Oh, but he He's gets got him the, the treetop. Rich Crunkleton misses with a takedown. Bah! Oh, I don't know if you can hear the audio there, Luke, but he hit hard. Uh, that no, I cannot over. hear the Thank audio. You. Jay does a bad job with Thank the producer. You. Thank you for coming. All right. Hey, let's head out to the streets again. You know a great way to break up a street fight, Luke, if one of your friends is into it? How about a flying dropkick, Luke? KO1. Check that out. Bah, that's great. That's a guy who definitely has your back. Like, you can't accuse oh. that friend of not doing enough, you know? No, no, no. Like, you could have used more friends like that when you were wearing a wife beater on the uh, D.C. club streets. And Dude, you were... the worst street fight I was ever in, uh, in terms of just how big it got and, like, how out of, out of control, one of our friends, there was four of us, but only three of us ended up throwing any hands. The fourth saw what was going down, and I'm not exaggerating. This was in Adams Morgan, so if you're from D.C., you'll get this reference. He looked around and was like, man, fuck this, and went to the jumbo slice and got a giant slice of pizza to then come back when the fight was over and just enjoy his slice of pie. We were all pretty mad at him for that. Yeah, that's a very Jay Aaron move, despite his uh, kickboxing background there at uh, Tiger Shulman. Yeah, all right. Hey, let's Luke, let's score one for Corona masks. I know people don't want to wear them. Dr. Luke Fauci gets upset. Check out this cashier. Look, he got, he got a little on him there, but if he didn't have the Corona mask, he would have been drinking that beer, right? What is that? Is that a beer? Yeah, the guy drops the beer, the six-pack out, and it just it just shoots it right in his face. See, here, that's how, you that's see how, how I'm going to – dude, that's how I'm going to pee the first time I come to your house. I'm going to just indiscriminately mark my territory all over your uh, asylum. Um, so you see that how the, the calmness of that cashier? I feel like he's been in this spot before, Luke, right? You know? He's like, at least it's not piss. <laughs> All right. Hey, speaking of explosive chugging, check out this weirdo, Luke. I don't know. See, this is where the craft beer revolution goes a little bit too far for me. When it's coming out this thick, I don't know. That is uh, fucking gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, this was like Jeff Wagenheim in his 30s. 
<laughs> right? Actually, shouts that, shouts that could Jeff. be Jeff Wagenheim on Friday night if you head up there to North Adams. I mean, come on. Dude, what what is he drinking? Do we even know? What is that? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, well, well done to that guy. All right. Hey, let's keep it going. Luke, let's get into some gym etiquette here. What the hell is this guy trying to prove? I could see you trying this, Luke. What, I mean, what are you doing? So he has a weighted dip belt. He has the, the bar over his head. is called a safety squat bar. And then he's deadlifting conventional on top of it, which is the, the bar over the back of his neck. It actually makes you lean a little bit forward. So he's able to lean back a little bit with the deadlift. And then the thing around his waist, he's, I mean, this guy is just an absolute idiot in the most glorious of ways. Cool story, bro. I'm glad you attached that 45 to your bag and you're lifting it up. I mean, yeah, all right. Hey, at least you won't have a saggy one, Luke, like we all str- struggle with at this age, right, Luke? Like like, like the mozzarella cheese on a piece of pizza that's being pulled away from the pie, my friend. Oh, gross. All right. Hey, let's get into some. Let's get into one. I got one weightlifting fail for you. Check out this hero. That was, that was, okay, so that, so that was a jerk. He tries to yeah, do it. he a, is. He, <laughs> he sure is. He's trying to do a behind-the-head split jerk, and uh, ooh, he fucked that one up. Yep, yep. That see, that'll just that'll teach you just not to don't get in shape. Just you know, get some edibles, get a record. Dude, player, don't you know, do. I always tell some folks, finals. don't do Olympic lifts. The shit is mad technical. If you don't have a trainer, you're gonna end up like uh, Tristan here. Yeah. All right. It's a tip to tip time, Luke. Did you see this uh, Brazilian soccer star Ronaldinho posted a photo of him and Mike Tyson? They're almost there. Just touch them. Just touch the tips. Right, Luke? That is so funny. Ronaldinho. Who who can take more money from a dictator than Ronaldinho? Wow, wow. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, let's check out Ramzan Kiamdram's uh, clientele list. Maybe we can <laughs> rival that. All He's right. on it. Hey, eight. Hey, AEW star and Bellator heavyweight uh, Jake Hager, formerly Jack Swagger, almost went TNT with uh, MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. You into this, Luke? You know I'm not into this. <laughs> All right. Uh, Luke, I would do anything for love, but I won't do this next move to a male friend. I, this goes a little bit too far, Luke, okay? That's not, I mean, if you're dating, okay. If not, I don't know, right? Nah, that's all right. Well, hey, you know uh, what's not our... all right is, hold on a second, hold on a second, leave it there. Look at the visor on this winner on the right. <laughs> Luke, it may, it may not surprise you, but I used to wear a visor like that in like 2000. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I used to in have this with it too. Listen, in 2000, it was stupid then, but it was more popular. Now I mean, it's I like just... girls who wear Abercrombie and Fitch, right? You know? I mean, this dude right. definitely lives at home with his parents. There's no denying. Luke, your drunk guy of the week. Here he is, Luke. We've all been to the ATM. We've all been to the ATM while drunk. But I don't know if we had this happen. This guy could have used the Corona mask. Jay, hit the button. There you go. All right. All right. Uh, we're having issues here, Luke. We're struggling. <laughs> Imagine you're that old guy behind him watching. You're just like, what the hell? Oh, Yeah. That is great, Luke. That is. Great. It's like, dude, you oh. won. What's the challenge where you take the bottle and you flip it, and then it lands on you know upright, and you win the challenge? It's like the yeah. bottle throwing flip challenge. Up. This dude won. Man, you know what? I've never been this drunk. I mean, I've been drunk where I've passed out and stuff, but like these dudes who can walk around like zombies, where they're like, they're, you always feel like if you had one more drink, they would completely fall, uh, fall over, but they don't, and so they try to like move through society normally. 
and they end up doing shit like this. Have you ever been that drunk? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. In fact, yes, Luke. In fact, I have. All right, I've been thrown out of many a club for dancing uh, inappropriately on the dance floor while this drunk. Okay, Luke. All right, thank you very much. Uh, let's move on to our last clip of the week, Luke. Which one of these? Uh, I texted you this this morning. Which one of these three, Luke? <laughs> Uh, whoever's rolling with these dudes ain't coming home, according to the picture, Luke. Which one would you wear in public if you had to? The Ray Lewis one. I mean, I'm not far from Baltimore, so you'll, you'll actually see those. The and Simpson one, I guess acquitted. you could get away with. Yeah, he was there when a guy died. He didn't kill him, Luke, okay? Oh, is that right? Is that what happened? He just yeah. totally was Yeah, that was, that's what happened, all right? I said this to you. The only thing missing is the Ray Carruth jersey. Yeah, yes, did. yeah, and the uh, and maybe the uh, John Copenhaver uh, fighting gloves. Yeah, maybe that too, Luke. All right, yeah. That's all I got this week. That's all the shit that this show can handle, Luke. So I hope you saw it. Thank Very you. good. All right. Very good, as always. Uh, with that in mind, it is time. It is time for odds and ends. What do you have for us? Uh, what the hell did I have? Oh yeah, I had. What did I have? Do you remember what I had? No, I don't do your job for you. Yeah, all right. Wait, why don't, I, why don't you go first, Luke? I'll think about it, all right? Uh, all right, so mine is, we've been talking about this dude named Chris Lee. He's a judge in uh, Nevada, and Chris Lee was in the Dolige or Dolize and Alon fight, and he has been on, he has been involved in eight split decisions, and in all of those eight split decisions, he's been the only dissenting party. Most of the fighters, are the, the judges, had it 29-28 for Delizze. One had it 30-27. I had it 29-28, and he had it 29-28 for Alon. You're like, well, that's not so much a scandal. The right guy won, and he was only one-round difference. Right, but you've had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. The only times where you've been the dissenter, you've been the only one in that dissenting party. You've had no other person join you. Again, I'm always saying this because nothing will happen, but just pay attention to Chris Lee because he's going to keep getting assignments. And Dana was like, eventually this kind of thing is going to fuck someone's life up. And uh, Dana and I don't always see eye to eye, but boy, is he right about this. Didn't happen this time, but it will. Luke, what would a, in, in the year 2020, a Luke Thomas and Dana White interview over Zoom put on the Morning Combat channel? What would that look like? I don't think it's been a few years, right, since you've... Uh... Since I haven't interviewed him them? since he cursed me out on Twitter and then apologized for it back in like 06, 07, something like that. I think it was like 010 maybe, but uh, yeah, I, I, I could probably set that up. I don't know if you know, Luke, but I, you know, I've sat in the John Morgan chair before. I, you know, I, I got connections over there. Luke. Yeah, the thing is, everyone talks about that. Like, what would you ask him? It's like, does it matter? If he doesn't want to do the interview properly – and answer the questions is like, it's not, I mean, you could do it, but it wouldn't be that fun. The whole point is to talk to somebody who wants to like do it. I don't like just to have controversy and adversary. I don't need that. I'm looking for somebody who yeah, wants I don't, to answer I don't questions. Need that in, I don't need you. I don't need to be linked with a controversial guy. You know, Luke, I'm trying to go places in my career. Thank you very much. Luke, my odds and ends this week. Uh, so here's the deal. We opened the show by talking Floyd, Logan, Paul. And look, it's a question of like, how much are you willing to tolerate? Would you like to watch an old fighter against a guy, young punk, who's 40 pounds heavier? Well, Clarissa Shields, Luke, who's making a lot of interesting news uh, down there at the Jackson Wink Camp, training with Holly Holm and John Jones, and, you know, shout out to her. She's working hard out there. She went public and said, you know what? I want to box Jake Paul, and I want to put all the money and put it to charity, 
and you know to help the water in Flint, Michigan, where she's from, and I will knock him the hell out. Luke, I want to ask you two questions about this, okay? Because I know you're gonna hate it and whatever, but I want to I want to get the questions out. Number one. How far is too far? I mean, we talk about Joey Buttafuoco had a boxing match with freaking China of the WWE. How far is too far? Would you watch it? And number two, would she knock out Jake Paul? I have to take a dump. Can we end the show? <laughs> like, are you, you're okay with Tyson and Jones? You know, you're. I have diarrhea. Okay Can we with- end the show? You're begrudgingly okay with Logan and Floyd, whatever. Would you sign off on on them doing, with actual commission, an intergender match, Jake Paul versus Clarissa Shields? Would you do it? BC, I have to go potty. I don't think you understand me. <laughs> I need to speak in a language you understand. <laughs> I, I got to poop. Yeah. All right. Well, it was good talking to you, Luke. Okay. It was nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, all right. So those are our odds and ends. Right, let's give folks the uh, heads up on this. You want to send us an email for a dead wrong. Wednesday we'll do uh, probably fan submissions. Morningcombat at gmail.com. That is always open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Morningcombat at gmail.com is the place to be. If you want to give us a follow on social, very easy to do so. Morning Combat is ubiquitous. In its name, it's the same everywhere for Twitter, for Instagram, and for YouTube. YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. And, of course, you saw the email previously. There's BC and I on Twitter and on Insta. If you want to try Showtime free for 30 days, you certainly can. Showtime.com, as I mentioned, a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can go somewhere else. And then if you want some of that sweet-ass merch for Christmas, store.show. That's S-H-O dot com. Any final Do thoughts, BC? homework? Do we have any homework for this week for the people? Are you, or have you just blown that segment up? You're just like, whatever. If I have something that really speaks to me, I will, but I don't. Also, all right, Luke, it was, it was good. Also, choo choo the poop train leaving the station. (laughs) I'm out guys. I'm out. All right. It was a good show. Thanks. All right. We got a bunch of stuff coming your way. Kayla Harrison interview. BC's got a bunch of interviews happening. Uh, Stick around. We're doing a uh, Rafael Lovato Q and a on Instagram. So check that out as well. Details are there at Morning Combat. For Brian Campbell, Malka, and Showtime, I'm Luke Thomas. Until next time, may all of your gains be loyal.